Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Doug Kent. Doug is a PBA and USBC Hall of Famer. He's also the owner of Doug Kent's Rose Bowl Lanes. Doug, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure being on with you guys. All right. Well, Doug, I thought I'd get you on because I picked up my bowler's journal this month, and it's great. Everyone should have a subscription. And there was a quote at the top which had said, I'd be in favor of a long-term plan to flatten out patterns gradually if they held every center to it. And you're talking about making house conditions a little more challenging. So why don't you expand a little bit on that and what your thoughts are, and, and ultimately how do we get every proprietor on board with something like this? Well, that's the, that's the hard part. You know, uh, you know over the... You know, back in the 80s when, you know, the short oil and everything came out and the scores went through the roof, I think uh, bowling took a big hit on integrity. And, uh, you know, averages were inflated. And, you know, it got to be to the point where scratch scratch leagues are basically non-existent now. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I came up with a plan, you know, just my own idea. And, uh, you know, thinking about trying to preserve the sport of bowling again and, and getting people back into the sport and bringing some integrity back into our game. And, you know, this whole thing didn't happen overnight. It was, you know, it, it, it blew up, you know, in a few years, but the, the, the problem with the integrity of our sport happened over the course of probably, you know, 10, 15 years. And, and I think we needed to go back, you know, to getting our sport back over a plan over a 10 year 10 to 15 year plan to where we shorten you know we flatten the pattern out side to side uh and and do it you know a year at a time you know over the course of 10 or 15 years and try to build the integrity back in our sport and uh i i think if we tried to do it all at once i think it would really blow up in the proprietor's faces and and a lot of people i think would quit but i think if uh you know if we did over a 10 or 15 year span i think people would wouldn't take the blow as hard and you know they, they might start practicing again and and uh, actually want to get better as opposed to just expecting to to shoot 700 every night well and how do you as a um, as someone who I, I like your idea how do you distinguish so between the guy who's actually looking to improve he wants to bowl you know bowl well at the usbc nationals out in reno or he wants to be on the regional yeah. tour and make some money there as opposed to the you know the guy who likes to come out and maybe have a have a couple beers with his buddies and get out of the house and he frankly doesn't care if his average is inflated yeah well i don't think that happened until people's averages were already inflated you know people people always wanted to get better you know that was the goal was to 
to average higher and to actually work at it, regardless of whether they were bowling three games a week and it was just their night out, they still wanted to be better. Now it seems like it just it's turned into so much of a recreational game as far as leagues that you know I think people have just thrown in the towel and they just don't care. They just want to come out and have a good time, and that's fine too. You can have recreational leagues still and and have leagues that are a little more competitive well and, and myself and steve clem can do a, a podcast weekly where we highlight collegiate players and we talk to the you know the coaches and and players that are coming up in, in the ranks and, and are in their 20s and sometimes late teens and a lot of them they they kind of scoff when you mention house patterns and the easy shots because they've been conditioned already to bowl on the challenging stuff so is this kind of a thing where we once we get a certain age group out of the mix the younger kids are going to be demanding this from the proprietors or, or you know, requesting it? Well, I know there's definitely uh, a need for it. You know, the, the, opportunity, the opportunity from that's available to them now after coming out of three, four, five years of school and bowling on competitive conditions and bowling, I mean, competitively. It's, I mean, college bowling is blood and guts. I mean, it's all sport bowling, and, it's, and they're tougher patterns. So that's what they've been groomed on. So when they get out of college... What is what is there for them? There really isn't much of a tour for them to go out and try to make a living at it. You know, the the opportunity is so so low there that what what is left for them to do? You know, and and when they wanna when they come out of you know college bowling where there is so much competition, and they go to what they go to league bowling, which everybody in the league averages you know for the most part two thirty two forty. I mean, what is there for them? So that's, that's this whole part of this plan that I've got, you know, that uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen in our lifetime, but uh, that's what's there for them when they get out of college. Nothing, really. There isn't a whole lot there. Yeah, so what advice or what path would you would you advise a, a young bowler to take? Because, like you said, the pros are running a very limited schedule. You're having to go overseas and bowl a lot of tournaments. And when you look at the prize structure overseas, if you're not in the top five, and, and frankly sometimes even in top two or three, you're probably ended up where you're barely breaking even on things. So, what would you, what advice would you have for a young player looking, you know, to bowl? And, and they're great. Do, do, does it even pay to go pro these days? Uh, no, I mean, my if, if I was a financial advisor, I mean, I would tell them to get a job, to look for a job, and you know, just bowl on weekends, bowl here and there on weekends where you know where you can. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise anybody to, you know, seek a professional career in bowling. It's just, it, it isn't there. So, I mean, there's less than a handful of guys making a living on, on the PBA Tour. I mean, that's, that's the main reason why I left, too, just because of the financial gains aren't there. They're, the opportunity is so so little. So, I mean, I, I would, you know, I'd recommend them getting a job. And there's a lot of good tournaments on the weekends. You know, you may have to travel a little bit here and there, but there's a lot of great tournaments that you can, that you, can uh, you know, bowl for three, four, five thousand, ten thousand here and there on the weekends. So... You know, it's, the, the the opportunities in in uh, amateur bowling are aren't much different than the professional part of it. Well, again, joining me on the podcast today is Doug Kent. Doug is a PBA Hall of Famer, and uh, in 2014 was elected to the USBC Hall of Fame as well. So, Doug, next I want to talk about. Um, the USBC Open is going on this year, and this year's right. the people that. Uh, are excluded from the tournament are the top 50 in points from the 2012-2013. Well, like we're just talking about, you go back and you look at that list, and of course at the top you're going to have the Webbers and Rashes and Fagans and you know Tommy right. Jones and such. But when you start getting at the bottom, you know Dave Wadka, 
uh, you got Jesse Buss, Mike Devaney, you know Brian Smith, who actually won the USBC Masters, you know, back a few years back. Um, but yeah. just talk about what what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the USBC should maybe consider opening, you know, making it a true open championship? Well, I I, I do. I never understood why they why they eliminated uh, touring professionals, but it, it isn't it is an amateur tournament. I I totally understand that. But you're you're talking about even though the top players, Sean Rashes and Belmontes and Webers and stuff, they're still USBC members. So if it's a truly an open tournament and they're USBC members, why can they not play? I mean, I know they're professionals. I understand that. But why why not just uh, limit it to just one on a, one on a team? Maybe why shut them out completely? Why not you know still allow one on a team? They used to do that with the World Team Challenges, which was never ever a problem. So doubles and singles, I don't know how you would do that. I, I don't know. I mean, team event, I can definitely, I definitely think it needs to be opened up for the team event. Well, yeah, and but, if you talk to a lot of people that have actually won Eagles, Jeff Riggles, you know, Mike Shady, talk to a lot of guys that have won Eagles, they say it would mean more to them to be competing and know that they've, uh, the, the, the big guns of, of the Rashes and Belmontes and the people that had USBC card members, they actually were able to compete and beat them. You know, it means something to them, too. So I think right. you're right. And the one thing, you know, and this isn't to pile on the USBC because I know they're doing their best and what they feel is the best interest for their organization and ultimately to keep bowlers bowling the tournament. Um, but do you really think, do you think, you know, a team a team from uh, anywhere, let's, you know, let's say from Arizona is going to say, we're not going to bowl this year because, you know, Sean Rash is going to be on a team? I, I don't think so. I, mean, I don't think so. I, uh, I mean, he's one guy. Yeah, sure, he can help a team, but every team has someone on the team that can help them. You know, I mean, I, 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 I don't think you're gonna, I don't think you're gonna lose teams just because you have a, a big name player on your team. I really don't. Okay, well, let's um, let's move on. You finished eighth in the USBC Masters recently at. Uh, at North Brunswick, New Jersey. So, what uh, what is it about the Masters and you, Doug? Is it is it the format? Is it just uh, is it a tournament that's demanding and you just match up well? Or what what do you contribute to your successes at the USBC Masters? I, I think a lot of it is mental. You know, I've always uh, I've always gotten up for the majors and and uh, just just mentally. I don't know if it's just uh, a matter of mental focus and uh, mind over matter. I don't know. You know, I. Uh, I just feel comfortable going into that tournament. I, you know, I've I've done very well in that tournament. You know, over the years, not just the two wins, but just overall, I've I've made the top 63 numerous times. And you know, I just uh, it's just one of those tournaments that that gets to you. You know, yeah, it's it's in your blood, and you you just feel comfortable when you go in. And you just feel like you're going to do well. And and uh, I've always been a really good mental player. And you know, I just. Uh, Stick to my game plan. Once practice is over, you stick to your game plan. And you try to prepare the best you can, and I've uh, just always, always been well prepared for that tournament mentally. Well, and I know you probably uh, one of the things you, you had kind of some quotes out there that said you were only bowling three games a week leading up to it. So sometimes yeah. that I don't want to say that helps us, but if if um, it keeps your brain free and clear, and like you said, you're going in with confidence. For someone who's throwing and throwing and throwing, and they may not feel they're throwing the ball greatest, it might be in their head. And, and where someone like you, you just go out and throw, and um, and you let it let the pins fall where they may. Yeah, yeah. I, it uh, again, you know, it, it comes down to, to preparation, and uh, you know, this year I had only been bowling three games a week, and but mentally I was prepared, and and uh, you know, my my mechanics have have uh, over the years have gotten to be very good. So 
I've, uh, you know, I've always fallen back on that to where, you know, your good fundamentals can, can carry you through a lot of things. So, uh, again, it's just uh, mind over matter. And you, know, you also have to take a look at the format. I mean, once I got to match play, yeah, I qualified. I think I qualified seventh overall. And, uh, but once I got the match play, I mean, it's, it's kind of luck of the draw. I had uh, my first three matches, I didn't have anybody shoot over 600 at me. So it's, uh, it's a lot easier to win matches when you have, you know, 580s, 470 and 550 thrown at you. So, you know, I've seen people right next to me lose with 720, and here I am winning with 650 by 100 almost. So it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of luck of the draw, too, but uh, it's the format. It's just the way, it's the way it rolls, you know. Sometimes it's the way it goes. Have you seen at your place where people know that they're maybe not going to get as soft of a condition, so people, league bowlers, that is, tend to shy away, or does, does that not play any, any account? No, my, my, my uh, house shot here is very easy also. I mean, it, it's uh, they don't have to work that hard at it, and and that's mainly just only for the mere fact that I feel like I'm handcuffed to to putting it out there. You know, if if I don't put it out there, they're they're out the door and they go somewhere else where they can average you know two twenty or two thirty. It's uh, it's, it's just it's terrible to see how many people just care about their average only, and they don't care about actually working at their game to to keep their average where it's supposed to be. You know, they just a lot of them just think they can walk into the pro shop and buy a ball for two hundred and thirty dollars and average fifteen pins higher without even having to to think about their physical game or getting better. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a difficult thing, and it's a difficult thing to try to explain to them and try to talk to them about you know getting better and working or, or instead of spending two hundred thirty dollars on a ball, why not spend two hundred thirty dollars and get four or five bowling lessons that are going to help you a lot more than just buying a bowling ball. Well, exactly, and and we've talked in the past at nauseum that you know the fact that if Tiger Woods is a swing coach and you go golfing and people people will have no shame in taking a golf lesson and meeting with a, a pro of that sort, but when it's bowling, people people just seem to think they don't they, need it for whatever reason. They 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 just expect it. They expect to bowl good without having to work at it, and that's that's what's the, the problem with our sport. It's the integrity part is gone, and people just. When you talk to them and you say, "Hey, why don't you come down next week and and practice for you know an hour or so?" and they look at you like like you got one eyeball in the middle of your forehead. <laughs> like, why would I do that? Well, well it, because that's what makes you get better when you actually you know throw the ball a lot more and do a lot more reps. I know one thing. I've, I'm out here in uh, Southern Oregon, so I hang out and bowl a lot up at. Uh, caveman bowl which is where kevin croucher's the owner and proprietor up there and chris warren has a mm-hmm. pro shop and those two guys if you show the effort that you're willing to improve your game they will spend mm-hmm. time with you like like they have like it's no no issue with them and they'll help you I'm and they, you way. see them down on the lanes and doug yeah that's what i was going to ask you i mean and, and it's not way. always people that are uh people are looking to get better so people sometimes i think have this perception well great the guy's gonna he's gonna like you said he's gonna charge me a lot for for the lesson or he's gonna do something but yeah what do you do as you see someone down there and just go down and help them and think wow i can i can actually give back to the sport too yeah well see i look at it as I, I never look short. I always look long term. And I and if I see somebody down there that I can just I know that I can just tell them one thing that's going to help them dramatically, I, I go right down and I tell them. I don't you know go down and try to get a lesson out of it. I go down and I just just help them. I know that down the road they're going to stay in bowling longer. You know they're going to be a league bowler a lot longer. And you know what? If they're more into it, they're more apt to buy a ball. They're more apt to practice. They're more apt, whatever. They might they might bowl a tournament here. They might join another league here. You know, it's it's not about the 
the fifty dollars up front for a lesson. It's it's long term. It's I want this person in my building for the next fifteen twenty years. All right. Well, Doug, it's been a pleasure having you on again. Doug Kent, the uh, PBA Hall of Famer, USBC Hall of Famer as well, elected in 2014. So, Doug, I want to thank you for joining us today and all the best of luck up there in, uh, in New York. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure.